Hello and welcome to Battle Ready with Missy Armstrong. We are going to prepare ourselves for battle by learning about the characters in the Bible, learning about their victories and their defeats. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Missy Armstrong and if it's your first time here, hi, we're so happy that you're listening and we hope you get a lot out of the lesson today. If this is not your first time, welcome. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad that you came here to listen today. If you've been here before, welcome back. If you're new, hi and welcome. Uh, We are about to start our study into Joseph. Joseph is one of, really, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's quite an exciting story. Uh, I just love the people, how they grow, how they change, and just everything that happens in the life of Joseph leads to other things that are truly amazing. And so if you want to read along with me, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 37. If you know anything about Joseph, you will know that his story spans quite a bit of Genesis. Uh, There are quite a few chapters in uh, the story of Joseph. So we will be covering Joseph for a few weeks. Okay, so let's start In Genesis 37, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, in the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bela, and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, which is also Jacob, but his name is changed, Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other brothers because he had been born in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they couldn't speak a kind word about him. Joseph had a dream and when he told his brothers They hated him all the more. He said to them, listen, listen to this dream that I had. We were all uh, binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up, stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Well, will you actually rule us? And they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told his brothers, listen, he said, I have another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his fathers rebuked them and said, What is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down 
to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, and his fathers kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks in Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks in Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he had, he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and the flocks, and bring word back to me. And he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived in Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are gazing our flocks? They have moved from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dotham. Dotham. So Joseph left, after, went after his brothers, and found them in Dotham. I'm going to stop there for a second because we're going to look back at this a little bit. This is the beginning of what ends up to be a fascinating story. And... As, you're, as we're studying this, as we're looking at this, I want you to look and see like how Joseph life, Joseph's life sorry, mirrors the life and character of Christ in many ways, right? Um, but right here, at the beginning, you see some poor judgment calls from both Jacob and or Israel and Joseph. I mean, right off the bat, Jacob loves Joseph more than his other brothers, and it's obvious he is more favored than the other brothers, which already creates tension in the family. In a family with even two siblings, like myself and my sister, their tensions can grow when one receives something that they see as more favorable than the other. And the parents have to walk a fine line. But Israel, or Jacob, he, he made this beautiful coat, very ornate for Joseph. And clothes back then were not like, I'm going to go to Walmart and pick up a coat. No, I, they had to you know, get the wool, spin it in the yarn, dye it, and then actually sew a piece of garment together or weave it together. They weave before they sewed. It, it was a process, and it took a long time, and he gives it to Joseph, and the brothers see it, and they are mad, right? They don't even want to talk. Him and they said that they can't even say a kind word to him. So, can you imagine living in a family group where you see each other all the time because you live in the same area and they won't even speak kindly to him, you know, because of this coat that some of this might have been a little bit avoided. Uh, but that was the root of this anger. And then Joseph has a dream. And in the dream, his brothers, you know, chiefs bow down to him. 
he tells him about the dream that like knowing my family I would never <laughs> tell my sister this because I knew it would you know spew up anger and resentment in her that I, I'm older than you and you I'm gonna bow down to you what right and then he has another dream and he goes back and he tells them and I don't know if it's Joseph's pride that's at play here or if he's kind of oblivious to things but in my mind I'm thinking he ends up being a pretty smart guy he probably is not oblivious to the fact that these people are not saying kind words to him and so he's going to kind of tell them about this dream, these dreams to show that he's, he's the one that they should be looking at, not talking about, right? But here he is kind of feeding this fire inside of the brothers. And here you have 11 brothers uh, that... 12 with Joseph, but 11 of his brothers. We know how people are. And when groups of people get together, one person might be a little bit angry and another one be a little bit upset. And as they start talking about it, as they start growing and growing and the more and more discussions have been had, more and more people's anger starts to be built up because they start pointing out things that either somebody might have overlooked or somebody might have just passed off. But because of this group dynamic, it's actually got a name. It's called mob mentality. These brothers began to just have such anger just right under the surface at him. And it just ends up turning into 20 years of Joseph living a th living a life he never knew that he was supposed to live and but changing in that process and that's why this part of the story is so important to see him in the beginning to see what spurred all of this so excuse me Joseph is the son of Rachel, and we know that Rachel was the one that Jacob wanted from the beginning when he was tricked into marrying Leah, and then he had to work for another seven years to marry Rachel. You can see here that Joseph is Israel, which is Jacob's new name, is Israel's favorite son and we're about to see how those first situations lead to so much more so we're going to continue in Genesis 37 at verse 18 but they they being his brothers saw him in the distance and before he reached them they plotted to kill him here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into these cisterns and say that a fierce animal 
devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Then Reuben heard this, and he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him in this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. But when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into his cistern. The cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, and their camels were loaded with spices and balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take him down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brothers and cover him up, cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. The brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up from the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes and went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? And they then they got Joseph's robes, slaughtered a goat, dipped the robes in blood, and they took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, This is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his robe, put on sackcloth, and mourned his son for many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. The favoritism which Jacob showed towards Joseph sparked off in the hearts of his brothers a desire to get rid of him one day when Jacob was going to see, to see if his brothers were okay, to see if they needed anything, they decided we're going to take this opportunity and we're going to kill him. Now Reuben, who is the oldest, Reuben, he tried to save him. And he did talk them into not killing him, but he just didn't save them in time. He was going to go back and take him out of the cistern and, you know, everything would be fine. And then here comes Judah, another brother. And Judah arranges to sell him to some passersby that are going to Egypt. And so he is taken out of the pit. And they sold him for a sum of 20 pieces of silver. And his brothers take his coat and tore it into pieces 
and put blood of gold on it and then take it to his father and say, like, he, he must have been killed, right? Jesus, too, was rejected by his brothers. His, the Jewish people were his family. But there is even more to mirror between Joseph and Jesus. Joseph was sold by Judah for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. And in John 1.11 said, He came to which has his own, but his own did not receive him. And that's talking about Jesus right there. But you see what's, what's happening here and what happened. It is a mirror a little bit of Jesus. Joseph would continue on and does continue on without his family. And he does end up following in a path and going down a path that God has prepared for him. But at the time, he just thought, I'm sure he thought he had lost everything. And many times in our life, we are in this spot. Right? We're going through our life. He thinks he's having a good time. He's had these dreams. He is, They're going to bow down to him. He's living his life. And then, bam. Stuck in a hole. Where am I to go from here? Right? How many times in our life are we doing that? We think we're on our path. We are just chugging along. We're doing good. We're doing for God. We're feeling like we're in the right place. And then, bam. We fell off into a hole somewhere, and God's plan is not in front of us anymore. We can't see where we're headed, and we get in this place of God taking us somewhere else, taking us on a detour from what we originally thought. Most of the time, and I would say probably all of the times that God sends us on detours, it's to teach us things, to prepare us for what's at the end. And the plan is still the same. God still has the plan. But he's going to show us and teach us how to deal with and how to be the person we need to be to get to the point of his plan. Joseph needed to know how to be a good person and how to be the person that was going to be at the end of the story. The person that was going to have his brothers bow down to him. But to do that, he had to go on a route he wasn't planning, on a detour. We may all have experienced detours in our lives and I'm pretty sure we probably have and some of you may be on one right now and I will tell you to have hope to stick to it because while Joseph's detours were long 20 years of detours he ended up exactly where he needed to be 
for exactly the right time to save an entire nation, which we'll get to later. <laughs> Just have hope, okay? Stay the path. Your detour will teach you something if you allow it to. So we're in Genesis 39. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him, taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When the master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of the whole household and entrusted his care, entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except for the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, the master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted into my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you were his wife. How, then, could I do such a wicked thing than sin against God? And though, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused. And he refused to go to bed with her for e or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran from the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run, she called to the household servants, Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been, been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left. And he left his cloak beside me and ran from the house. She kept his cloak beside her until, her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. What Hebrew slave you brought us came to me. That Hebrew slave you brought has came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran to the house. When his master heard the story that his wife was told, he said, This is how your slave treats, or the wife said, This is how your slave treats me. And he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. So here's Joseph. He is trying to live the best he can. 
right? He has been taken from his family, sold to slavery, and then God blessing him for being faithful. And the Potiphar, Potiphar sees it and's like, he's a good guy, he's getting blessed. He realizes he sees the Lord has blessed Joseph. And so he puts Joseph in charge of things. And because of that, Potiphar is blessed. And his livestock, his everything in his house is taken care of. And everything is going wonderfully. And he has to worry about nothing but his food. Jo uh, Joseph takes care of everything. And Potiphar's wife, she sees Joseph, who is a handsome man. He's well built. He works hard. He looks nice. She likes him. She tries to entice him. He turns her down. Day after day, she goes back. And he's still trying to be a good man, trying to not stand, and she is tempting him, and he is avoiding temptation. And then she's like, well, fine then. And so she's in the house with him by himself, by herself one day, and she tries to tries to get with him again, and he runs. She takes his coat and says that he tried to attack her. Here's the thing. Joseph never did anything wrong. Right? Joseph didn't attack her. He never tried to, he never even, he never even gave in to any of her temptations. But he's in prison. And he's falsely accused. He's sitting in prison. Sometimes, where we need to be is not where we want to be. God moved him into prison, not to break him or anything like that, but, but that he would be where he needed to be when the time came. And so, as we're looking at this, and we see this story unfolding. We see that Potiphar's wife is so trying to attempt to seduce him over and over and over again. And still, he's not broken. He doesn't break. And when we read the, the, the Gospels, the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what do we find? He was rejected. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was slandered. He was tempted. He was falsely accused. And never once is Jesus ever drawn in by self-pity. Only a heart that is full of love for everyone around him is secure against self-pity. Only when your biggest concern is for the people outside of your body, other people, is when your heart is safe against those thoughts of self-pity. 
right? Jesus didn't want to moan about his situation. Joseph, it said he works hard. He continues to try to work hard. He doesn't wallow in self-pity. And uh, growing up, like, we used to, I grew up in the South. I'm still in the South, in Texas. And <laughs> the word waller was a common word, right? People would talk about wallering. Don't waller in something. Like a pig rolls around in mud and wallers in it. So the word, of course, is wallow. But in the South, it's waller. Um, and I do have a book that I have written. It's called Battle Scars to Beauty Marks. And in one of the chapters is don't wallow in it. Don't wall Stop wallowing. Don't live your life with self-pity. Keep moving forward. Pull yourself up. Dust yourself off. And do something. If you spend your life thinking about the bad things that happen to you, then you are not free to do great things because you're just controlled by these, these things that have happened to you. Joseph could have sat around and been an average servant. He could have sat there and been like, my family hates me. They wanted to kill me, but then they sold me away. I, I'm a slave. I have no freedom. I have nothing. Someone else owns me. And he could have done the bare minimum to get by. And if he did that, of course, Potiphar wouldn't have recognized him and wouldn't have seen that he was a good worker. And God blessed him because he still tried to be the best man possible. And sometimes when we are in situations such as Joseph's and we feel like we want to have self-pity, right? We need to remember in moments when we're broken, in moments when we've been beaten down, in moments we have scars, in moments that our lives seem so insignificant or in moments when we seem weak, that is when God moves in our lives and his movement is so much more prevalent in those times. It shines so much more because we are weak, because things have happened to us, because we have scars. God's grace and his power is seen in our lives, especially in those times, because we know that we are broken. This reminds me of Hebrews. Hebrews 2.10 says, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, 
should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Of course, we're talking about Jesus. He was perfect, and in all of his suffering was perfect. And our salvation comes from Jesus Christ. We're going to stop there for today, and we will continue on with Joseph's story next week. Again, I hope you enjoyed Joseph's story as much as I do. And I don't know, maybe maybe I enjoy Joseph's story so much because I can't identify with thinking I was on the right track and then not being right as a person, not being right with God, not having the right relationship with God, and ending up on several detours throughout my whole entire life. And But keep faith. If you're on a detour, stay the path and be open to learning. Be open to seeing what God's glory can do in your life. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Come back next week and remember, be kind to yourself and be kind to others and smile because God loves you and so do I.